Welcome to Work is Good, a CSM podcast. My name is Landon Buto, and I host the show with my dad, Chris Buto, the owner and president at CSM. Today's episode is another conversation I have with Philip Meach, and I really enjoyed the practical takeaways in this conversation. I often find that I know very clearly when I like certain cups of coffee and when I don't like others, but I really couldn't explain why. Beyond being able to say, I talk about a cup being dark or light or weak or strong, which isn't very insightful. I, I don't really know how to express what I like or what I don't or what to look for in certain cups of coffee. And I don't even know where to start with that. So this conversation, it starts a little philosophical, but it gets very practical around that specific problem at the end. So I think you'll leave ready to start learning what to look for uh, if you are looking to understand what you like in certain cups and what you don't in others. Um, so we didn't get, we didn't quite get to exactly what to look for, the, the, the qualities that you might look for, but we did lay the groundwork, Philip laid the groundwork in this episode so that we can start that conversation. So hopefully in coming episodes, he'll be able to get a little bit into the specifics and share with me what to look for. So please enjoy today's conversation. And if you or someone you know is interested in getting a mortgage with CSM, go to clevelandstreet.com. All right, Philip, we are back and excited to talk a little bit more today about the four M's. I had a great question from my brother-in-law, which is really just uh, the heart of it is, can you flesh out the four M's a little bit more? And uh, But I like the way you framed it and I uh, should have pulled this up before, but let me just read it here. He says, where is it? He says, I thought of a question I'd be really curious to ask Philip. If you were living under a dictatorship and the dictator was slowly taking away more and more rights, sound, sounds a little bit familiar, and he started to take away the four M's of coffee, in which order would you give them up? Uh, remove the dictator first. There you go. I like it. Good plan. I think, uh, yeah, short of that, it's a difficult question to have a clear, defined, uh, it must be this order type of a thing. Because 4Ms are your process parameters of what has effect on extractables and solubles of your coffee. So when you're talking about like the machine and the water temperature, all the subsettings of the machine, pressure, volume, purity, uh, minerality content, or the grinder, the second M, Machinatura, which is the burrs, the geometry of the burrs, the alignment of the motor shaft. Is it spinning too slow, too fast? Is it getting hot? Um, just the dose, everything that has to do with grinding. Then Michela, your recipe, your blend, what you are brewing that day. And then the, the fourth M, Elmano, the hand that prepares it, which we always liken something to uh, a conductor in an orchestra. Okay. So, which so one let me the... let me review real quick. I, I I remember the last two. I think Michela, the the machine. No, that's Machina. What's what's Michela? The Michela is like the Latin root is probably something like the mix. So think of it as like your blend. Okay. Okay. And then mono, the hand that prepares it. 
and then mm-hmm. Machina. What what was the second one? Machinatura or Machina Dosatore, if you have an old school dosing type mill, dosing grinder. But that's basically mill. your yeah, the mill, the grindstones, the thing that's taking your whole coffee beans or seeds and shearing and flaking and, and crushing into uh, 10,000% more surface area so that you can get water contact and extract. Okay, got it. Awesome. So which one, which, which one of those four are you willing to give up? Yeah. And, and it, we've talked about before, they're kind of connected at the hip, and there's like, there's no real way because think about like a car. Uh, what are some important parts of the driving aspect of a car? Uh, steering wheel, probably important. Gas to, to go forward, probably very important. Brake to stop, probably very important. Yeah. So which, yeah. which one of those do you want to give up? Yeah, I guess. So if you were starting a, a retail, a coffee shop, and you were doing the roasting yourself, you were doing sourcing, roasting, and serving the coffee itself. Uh, wh- where where's your focus among all of those? Is is any of them, let's say, most top of mind for you? Most important? Like this has to be right. Well, in the current cultural deluge, I would say none of them. Focus on service because I'm not trying to punt on your question. I'll come back to it. Sure. But we are in this crazy era. Uh, I think it's just odd where service seems to be at an all-time low. And granted, a lot of places are pressed for having enough staff, like there's labor shortages and all of that. But even if, say, that's not a thing, um, you can inadvertently go so far into the craft at the point of preparation that you lose out on the point of presentation. Yeah. And the reality is everybody's coming into your coffee store is not trying to be a super coffee nerd like you are. That's mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah. That's really cool that you're taking your craft seriously. You're looking at all these process parameters. You're trying to study creation and how to work with it better. So that's awesome. Right. But if all of that comes at the expense of we losing the basic human element of putting a cup of coffee in somebody's hand, making eye contact, saying hi, good morning, or thank you. Here's your double tall mocha. Hope your day's going well. Thanks for coming in. Love seeing you every day. You know, our business is built on your repeat business. Um, I just have to toss that in there because. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I've kind of seen that slide the last 15 or 20 years in this area. Yeah. And um, I tell every new wholesale client that if you think you're going into the coffee business, you're probably halfway towards failure Mm. already, just with that mindset. You Mm. are going into the service industry. You are going into the make people happy business. You are going into the hospitality industry, the same route hospital for to take in and care for a stranger, et cetera. Mm. So that's got to be job one. Yep. Yep, love it. Good note. Really helpful. There's my hobby, so, there's my hobby course. I snuck it in somehow. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. No, yeah. I like it. So um, let's say you do have that. Let's take the 1%, 10% of customers who are coming in and obsessing like you are, nerding out over, over the coffee. Um, if you want to give them the best product, uh, where, where's your focus? 
Number. Technique. <clears throat> easy, mm. easy, easy answer. Technique. Mm. Because you can work pretty well with less than ideal equipment. At some point, too big of a limitation is too big of a limitation. If you have zero control on temperature, zero control on ingredient water, like the input, like the, the, the makeup of the water that you're working with, or the if you've just got horrendous product on the coffee side, um, or if your equipment is dirty, uncalibrated, if it's I mean, any number of things. But you can go so far with technique. Like if you have a world-class chef, pick whoever you like, come over to your house and maybe you don't have an awesome set of pans. And maybe you don't have the most amazing stove. And maybe you don't have a lot of things, but like your um, gear is usually never a good substitute for training or experience. Yeah. In yeah. almost any craft. Yeah. I, I, uh, I was telling Holly recently, my wife, that after church one Sunday, it was nice to have someone who knew coffee running the coffee at church because uh, we had Russell, one of your one of your staff members, running the the coffee for us at church, and you know it, it wasn't an elaborate setup. It was just church equipment and and you know some some grocery store beans and um, it, nothing elaborate about it. But it was definitely noticeably better than yeah. any church coffee that I'd I'd experienced, and it was just you, you get you get the technique right, and that's the most important thing. I think so. I mean, I think it's that's my undisputed tops. If I have to make a, a, a single judgment call, say what is the one thing you can't sacrifice out of environment and equipment and things like ingredients and whatever else, I'd say that the one thing that you can't really sacrifice is technique. In the same way, you know, if you ever watch Chef, Chef's Table, if you haven't, go back and watch like season one, episode one from eight years ago or whatever with Massimo mm -hmm. Bottura at Ostriana Francescana, the number one restaurant in the world. And I remember the narrator talking about Massimo and what he was doing. And one of those lines that just sticks with you forever is when she says, for Massimo, one of the most important ingredients is memory. Mm. And I think you're just going to see that play out in the food and beverage realm and many other sort of like creative expressions craft so that can yeah be music yeah. performance or any kind of performance really um drawing any kind of artistic anything uh where you're creating and that's what you're kind of doing in food and beverage you know in a commercial kitchen or a kitchen at home that's what you're doing at a coffee bar is you are working with some machines and then you're working with some ingredients something that came out of the earth and then you've got technique and experience and memory that are driving how those things can be harmonized to get the best possible result. Yeah. Yeah. So for at home, getting pretty practical, just kind of an at home listener. Um, where do you then put your energy? It, what, what, what is it just helpful reading, reading a helpful blog on a, on a consistent basis, or if you just get the core recipe, uh, for for what you're doing right and remember that yeah um so the internet you put your energy the internet's still a dangerous place so and you can get overwhelmed so quickly it's sort of the downside of instant access to information and lots of it 
I look at chat GDP right now, it's just like, it's just insane how quickly there can be an amalgamation of limitless information. Um, and you can get confused, it can get intimidating, it can seem like it's too much work, like you've got to have the right gradient into the craft if you're really going to enjoy it at the end of the day and maximize what's there. So that's why we always start off kind of simple and say, hey, get a decent French press. If you already got it, your drip coffee machine like that, awesome. If you don't have anything, I'd recommend a great place to start both for economics and control and quality is a good French press. And then get a good gram scale so that you have some kind of QC process. You have some way to know that you're always putting in the same amount of coffee and because we weigh the water, the same amount of water, and that resulting brew ratio of coffee to water ends up driving so much of what you get in the cup, not just the first time, but consistently as you drink through the bag. Mm. Uh, whether it's 12-ounce bag or a kilo bag or it's Costco three-pound bag or whatever it is, uh, we have a lot of people that buy five-pound bags from us all over the country. And it's like, yep, you want to have a way to work with that so that if you're going to make adjustments and notice the difference that you have some kind of process control around that. So you know you use 10% more coffee, 10% less coffee. You can kind of get there with scoops, like yeah, we use two more scoops, we use three scoops less. It's just a little harder. When you're weighing the coffee and weighing the water, you get this real-time brew ratio that is a good master control to start with. Yeah. So I'd say, again, if you're starting kind of from nothing or you are just trying to get to a really rock and awesome place, a really good grinder, a really good gram scale, and a nice French press, and then pick a coffee that you like from a proprietor that you like, because most really good roasters these days are publishing a little bit about their coffee. Like, hey, this is a darker roast, so it's more soluble, so you can back off on your brew ratio. Try an 18 to 1, try a 20 to 1. Or we've got this natural Ethiopian, this thing's super dense, it's really high grown, it's really light roasted. Try a 14 to 1 brew ratio, and you're going to need to grind a little finer. You're going to need to push five or six minutes, not three or four. Yeah. So most of the roasters are seem to be doing a pretty good job of including some coffee knowledge, some brew metrics, some starting recommendations, but not in such a way that it feels like, wow, every time I try new coffee, it's this crazy adventure and I really, you know, I'm tapping my brain out. And I still don't speak metric and what's going on. Right. Yeah. So we kind of got to have yeah. a little bit of a balance point in there because after all, this is just a cup of coffee. Right. <laughs> trying to trying to get through the day, trying to have fun, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, to your point about, you know, I was kind of thinking in my head, we're going from technique to now we're talking about the tools again. but. Uh, you know, to your point, they are all really tied because even if you have the best technique, if you, if you know what you're doing, you it, it becomes tough to execute consistently if you don't have the gram scale, if you don't have, you know, the yeah. the, the right pieces to it's put really it together. Hard. Yeah, makes sense. But over, but over time, the investment in yourself, the human capital is building that memory and that you, you refine a lot of things in your life over time. I mean, Ask your, I would imagine your mom or your dad, if you asked them, have you guys ever made any changes to good Creole red beans and rice? I mean, maybe there's been some changes over the years, or maybe grandma and grandpa had some changes, or you just landed where you where you like and you know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that that's a big thing with most families when you think about like uh, passing on favorite 
food recipes down through the ages or whatever, is that you've got a lot of that sort of built-in technique and experience that's speaking. I mean, why in Italy do you have all of these people that just make the most amazing food and it's so simple and yet Italy, double check me on this somebody, but like Italy is like 150 years old or 160 years old in its current legal form. Really? But you've got 26 centuries of culinary traditions. Hmm. There's a lot. Wow. Plenty I didn't of realize story. that. Yeah. I mean, a lot of countries are not that old. I mean, Eritrea is like 15 years old. The Yemen, the tip of southern Arabia, where coffee probably started first growing, uh, or, or at least close to it there by, on the Red Sea, yeah, uh, is 32 years old, 33 years old as a country. Yeah. So like boundaries get redrawn and rocks yeah. and trees move and all this other stuff and tribes move in and out and all this stuff but you have this pass-through event and you're going to drink coffee over and over again for the rest of your life maybe you're going to uh, have coffee with your kids might be their first cup of coffee with you right and you're yeah. going to talk about at that point maybe that's in 10 years or 15 years or 20 whatever it is and you're going to share what you like the coffees that you like and what your preparation method is and it could all be the stuff that's for better or worse. Like, should we use eggshells or should we throw a pinch of salt in there? And all these kind of crazy folklore things that people do to coffee. Well, at least there's some richness and some connectivity there to the past. Yeah. Yep. And so, again, it's like, yeah, get, you'll get your base level of gear down. But there's still no real good substitution for training or just outright technique. or yep. Paying attention. Like, taste your work as you go. Yeah. You can buy a book of soup recipes and probably avoid crazy train wrecks of soup in the kitchen. But if you want to get your soup game, you know, top shelf, top tier, you got to taste it as you go and you got to season yeah. it as you go, just like yeah. a staircase as you go. And a that's bit, and a little bit, a little bit. It's, it's easy to do, but it's also easy to not do with coffee, with where you're making it every day. You could either just, it's easy to just kind of accept it and, you know, it is what it is, or maybe one day I'll get this, this tool, or maybe one day I'll, um, figure out how to change this, but you're right. Like it's not a, it's not a, it doesn't fix everything, but tracking and, and, and observing and remembering what, what works, what doesn't, um, uh, for you, for what you like, it does make a big difference. Um, yeah, I mean, what we're really speaking, all these things that we're speaking to is here's this avenue and this road of you can go as wide and as long and as deep as you want in enjoying the maximum things that you can enjoy in creation. Mm -hmm. So if like, I, there's no problem at all. If somebody's just like, Hey, coffee is coffee. Uh, I cream and sugar to death. And uh, you know, I don't really care. I'm yeah. like, hey, choose some caffeine pills. I mean, I yeah. don't care. Like, yeah. I mean, there's other, do, do it, do, do what you're going to do. That's totally fine. Uh, when I go shopping for jeans once a year, I think I spend between three and four minutes on it. Like yeah. I just, yeah. everybody who knows me knows I'm a fashion dumpster fire and <laughs> I don't really care that much. So whatever. But, you know, so I'm speaking from a place of inviting people into. Yeah. If that's an interest. Yeah. You know, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, as, as we're talking here, uh, I, uh, I'm thinking of, a follow-up question that's it's related it's not um it's not a necessary like you know any, anyone listening right now might not have thought of this but i'm thinking of this as I'm, i've been thinking through the pieces of of what i want to get right and um 
what you know we've talked about the importance of the bean itself and and you've talked about getting from a local roaster and so i'm more queuing up our our next conversation here um but because i imagine it's it's a longer answer but i just want to get your brief thoughts on if if you want to get the bean right in the sense of just a, a bean you enjoy and starting to to understand what goes into a quality quality roast um how do you there's so much out there there's there's so many roasters there's so many um retail services there's there's so much out there um you know cafe Luceau is is what what are the other how do you do how do you identify a cafe Luceau um if you can't say justify paying for shipping every week or something for a local roaster yeah i mean ideally hopefully the more local the better and it's something like almost walking distance or it's in your neighborhood or it's on your commute route or something like that yeah i mean those are good places to start and it's you almost can't go wrong like as long as you just start because you can get to know that place and ask um thoughtful questions about like what's your house style Maybe this local roaster or roaster retailer um, doesn't have, uh, maybe they don't do dark roasts, or maybe they don't do really light roasts, or maybe they don't do any blends and they only do single origin, or maybe they're super traditional and they only do blends and they don't do single origin. Hmm. So just start somewhere and ask questions. It's not like you're going to get that extra three days in Hawaii if you make a decision by nine o'clock tonight. Yeah. I mean, you just, how do you, how do you get into the world of wine? I mean, just one little squatch of land in Bordeaux on the left bank. And you're talking, there's what, over 9,000 chateaux across 57 government-recognized appellations, AOCs. Like, and that's just this little part of France. And like maybe, or maybe we're in Washington, or in Woodenville, and what do we have, 142 tasting rooms or, or mm. labels or something like that? Yeah. What do you do there? Well, some people join a wine club or two. And they roll with that for a while and they get to know that thing and maybe their taste change, maybe they don't, or they, they hone in on what they like, or they just like to constantly bounce around or, hey, I'm on a mission to try um, 100 new wines in the next year. But you could kind of do that with coffee a little bit. Just pick a version that doesn't drive you nuts. Yeah, yep, yep. But the point, the important thing is to start and the important thing is to build your own memory bank so that you don't get swept too deep into the... Well, those people over there, they seem like that. They must know what they're talking about. They're the experts, and I'm just a coffee drinker over here. Right. Like, your palate doesn't lie to you. Mm. So yeah. you can you can trust it, and maybe you're going to have some taste changes over time, and maybe you're going to loop back one day and drink what you always liked before you went off on the bougie train yeah. and started trying all of the – you know, it's kind of like beer. Like, how many breweries are there right now, and it's all about the – dry hop, you know, and there's tons of apricot and sarsaparilla in this thing. And and then there's people that are like, nope, if I'm going to drink beer, that thing had better follow the Reinheitsgebot, you know, the German purity law of mm. 1516, a year before the Reformation, interesting side note. Um, and people are like, yeah, beer has three ingredients or four, you can't water. But it's like there are people that will only like just get back to that. I don't need yeah. Northwest crazy nth degree, super bitter IPA, you know. It doesn't matter. Just let your palate be your guide and have fun. So you're trying yeah. beer, you're trying wine, you're trying coffee, trying tiramisus, you're trying all these things. And um, it's like the most important thing you can do is just try, try, try and soak that in because the greatest 
about the greatest deception that everybody has to face down in their life is thinking that there's still time. I mean, yeah, you're relatively young, so you probably have a lot of years ahead of you, but it's like, I remember being your age and now I'm 46 and it's like, man, it was a blink. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So in the, in light of all that, of of how quick, yeah, get out there, have some fun, uh, try this, try the thing. Um, if you can do it with other people, uh, sometimes tasting clubs are fun. Um, going to different coffee bars, trying coffees, just like you would go to different wine bars, try wines. Yeah, yeah it takes the stress. It takes the, the the stress out of it a little bit to say, well, you know, I got to memorize all these rules and get it right. But uh, no, it's just, I mean, and, and that's what I do want to get into a little bit next next time is now, now that it's come up is like, what should I, what are good questions to at least be asking? You know, what what are the qualities that you look for to to start to identify what you like um because you know where i'm at it's it's, uh it's just do i like it or do i not i don't know what elements to look for um and so i think that would be interesting to discuss a little bit next week but it does take the stress out to say you know focus on don't don't focus on the rules too much so i think that's helpful yeah it's just i mean just let the just do the experience and absorb as you go and you'll find in coffee, like here, we can do this. Here's a preview. <clears throat> is just start trying coffees, um, if you can, from around the world. And you might, many people in the past have done this. And they're like, you know what? I've been trying, you know, 20 new coffees a year or whatever. And I feel like my hang is uh, East Africa. I really mm-hmm. like these kind of crazy coffees from Ethiopia and Kenya and Tanzania and Malawi and Uganda and Rwanda and boy, they're really floral and they're really fruity and there's things like rose water and sweet citrus peel. And this is nuts. And other people will be like, wow, I love my Central American high grown SHG, strictly high grown, strictly hard bean over 5,000 feet. And they're roasted dark and they're smoky and they're rich and, you know, or whatever it is, but you just start tasting a lot of things Mm. Yep. And maybe making little notes here and there, have like your mm-hmm. own little Starbucks credit to them. They used to have this little thing called a coffee passport. You could go mm-hmm. into the store and get it for free. And basically it was a book, like a passport of their entire roster. Mm-hmm. And as you would buy that half pound or pound of coffee and maybe ask them for an extra sticker and you put that down in your little passport book and say, oh, I like the how the body is really rich on this one and the acidity is not too vibrant or too bright and the you don't have to use fancy terms. You'd be like, you know what? The finish is really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I like it. Awesome. Well, we'll wrap it up there this week. That's, uh, that's helpful. Just kind of opens the door a little bit to thinking about how to evaluate coffee. I think, uh, what you're looking for. Um, and like I said, it'll be fun to, to follow up with specific questions that you should be asking and things that you can think through. Um, but, Uh, I think that's a great start, and uh, thanks, Phil. Super helpful. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Thanks for listening to Work is Good. If you enjoyed it, share it with someone else, leave a review, and listen next week.